you've been to the movies any time recently, there's a good chance you saw something related to superheroes. Whether that's Avengers, Spider-Man, even the classics like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, even stuff like you know, Toy Story 4 and The Lion King, which I've seen, I have seen and will see those two unashamedly. There's those kind of movies are, are kind of exploding in popularity nowadays. They have this, this great protagonist, this good guy with great qualities who, who always overcomes whatever evil or difficulty or struggle he's going against in the end and ends up being victorious. There's a certain, I think, value to that. We recognize something in that person that's attractive. We recognize these people as someone we want to be like. And we want to be like Superman or Wonder Woman. We have, they have qualities that we desire to imitate in our own life. That's one reason why I think that the Good Samaritan is one of the most popular parables in, in all the scriptures, because it's only mentioned one time in the whole Bible, yet it's perhaps one of the most popular scriptures that everyone knows about the Good Samaritan. There's laws named after the Good Samaritan, more so than parables and stories that are mentioned in multiple gospels through multiple times. The Good Samaritan is something that we can say stands out. I think it's because it's clear that the Good Samaritan is someone who's worth imitating. We see qualities in the Good Samaritan. He was the one who showed mercy to the person who was in need. We want to imitate that. We want to be like that. We also kind of see this not just in fantasy or in stories, but also in, in real life. In our own families and lives, there's people who we know that we desire to imitate. We have role models that we all look up to. Whether it be mom or dad, grandma, grandpa, parent, aunt, uncle, cousin, friend, whoever. I'm sure we're all, we can all think of somebody in our life who we look up to, who we desire to imitate. And just the thought of that person inspires us to be better, inspires us to act more like the man or woman that we know that God is calling us to be. The church also recognizes this, and you know, the Catholic superheroes and the saints that she lifts up. The apostles and martyrs, the holy laymen and women, priests and religious nuns, people who the church has lifted up as examples and role models for us to imitate. People who have distinctive qualities that, that we know instinctively that it's good for us to have. And so we look to these people as examples for inspiration. The church holds these up for us. I heard a talk yesterday um, about St. Maximilian Kolbe. He's one of these saints. He was a, a Franciscan friar, a, a priest from Poland, who was rounded up in the Holocaust during World War II and was, was put in a concentration camp. And the people who survived the concentration camp with them were unanimous in saying how much of a source of light Maximilian Kolbe was in a place that seemed to have no light at all. That he was a constant source of encouragement to, the, to all around him. And he kept, he kept urging them on, you know, reminding them that these people can't destroy their hearts. They can't destroy the love that they have, so don't lose that. Always encouraging them to be sources of light in the world, to combat the darkness. There was a situation where um, some prisoners tried to escape. So the guards retaliated against that. They usually would do a roll call. That would just kind of, they would use that as a way of mocking people. Today's roll call was 10 people who were going to be executed to scare the prisoners so that they wouldn't try to escape anymore. It was kind of a punishment and a deterrent. So they're calling off name by name. They call off one man, and as soon as they call his name, he breaks down and he says, no, please, you can't. I have a wife, I have kids. Like, please don't do this to me. 
Maximilian Kolbe steps forward and he says, I'm a Polish priest. Let this man live. Take me instead. He was killed that day. Then during the canonization process later, what they do is that they interview people who knew the, the person in question throughout all points of their life, people who grew up with them, who went to school with them, to try to get a clearest picture as possible of, just, of, of this person's life, to see if it really is an example of heroic virtue. And so this, they were interviewing people who grew up with Maximilian Kolbe, and one of the men they interviewed said, yeah, it's really not that surprising that Maximilian did that. And the interviewer asked, well, what do you mean? He said, he, he, Maximilian was someone, just growing up with him, who always looked for opportunities to serve other people, who always looked for opportunities to help someone else in need, to pour himself out to help other people. So the fact that he did this, he said, it's really not surprising. I think something that can underlie this, this fascination with superheroes, with role models, even devotion with the saints, that there's this hint of, of fantasy almost. This idea that that's a really great person that I can never be like. Or that person did a really great thing that I don't think I would ever be able to do. Right? How many of us can say that if we were in Maximilian Colby's situation, we would have done that? Or that we would have done what the Good Samaritan did? But I think we can learn from that story, though, is that heroic acts don't just come out of the blue. They don't just pop out of a vacuum. What he shows us is that almost always these heroic acts are preceded by a life where the person habituated themselves in small ways to constantly being on, on lookout for, for those in need, for constantly looking for ways that he could help other people. So that when it comes time for this big dramatic heroic act, for someone like Maximilian Kolbe, it wasn't all that heroic. Because he trained himself to think like that. Of course, when a situation presents itself when someone's in need, of course I would act like that. Because in little ways, I've built up that habit of doing that. The same is true with all the superheroes, that when the suit's off, they're usually good, upstanding citizens who are good people who are admired by the people around them. The heroic acts are always preceded by these little daily acts that build up the habit. So when we hear this question of the gospel, the question that starts it all is, is how do I get to heaven? That's got to be the main question. That's what everything's directed towards. And the answer is obvious. No one's debating about the question. Love God, love neighbor. That's how you get to heaven. There's no secret about that. What they're talking about is, is how far does that go? How heroic do I have to be in my loving of God and loving of neighbor? Surely there's got to be some kind of limit, right? This may, may seem extreme. Something like the Good Samaritan may seem a bit much. Unless we think that perhaps the Good Samaritan was someone who had, who had daily been in the habit of looking for opportunities to help those in need. So that when he came upon that situation, of course, that's what he would do. And that maybe the priest and the Levite, while not being bad people had just daily been in the habit of getting what they needed to get done done, taking care of their own needs, so that they missed an opportunity to love. They missed another opportunity to show mercy. And it's really, I think, as simple as that. 
Moses said in the first reading, you know, don't say who's going to go up to the sky to bring the law of God to us. Who's going to go across the sea to bring the law of God to us? No, it's already in your mouths and in your hearts. We have our consciences that, that prick us, that show us God's invitation to, to these situations where he's calling us to love, to calling us to show mercy. And it all starts with these small, simple, everyday acts that in themselves may not do anything, but they build the habit and they pave the road for maybe something a bit more heroic one day. And ultimately, they pave the road to heaven for us. It's where it all starts. And so I think a challenge for us maybe this week would be to pick one thing. In all these superhero movies, they all usually have some kind of fault, some kind of flaw that ends up undermining everything they're working towards. Almost always, almost ruins the movie, but in the end up triumphing. They all have this one flaw, though. Spiritual writers would agree with that and call that a predominant fault. We all have these, the, our sins that we struggle with, our own personal weaknesses and imperfections. And so the challenge, I think, is just to pick one thing, pick that one fault, whether that's pride, greed, envy, anger, lust, whatever it is, and pick one way that we can combat that fault this week. And that's one thing to stick to. And the possibilities are limitless. Maybe it's, you know, to grow in patience, I'm going to commit to, I'm only going to drive the speed limit. I'm not going over the speed limit. Maybe I'm going to be really intentional about, I'm not going to gossip about this person who really gets on my nerves. The person I always kind of indulge myself in gossiping about. Maybe, you know, I recognize just the day gets away from me. I never really have time for prayer. So I'm going to get up, you know, 15 minutes earlier and I'm going to pray and set that relationship because I know that if any of this is going to work, I need to have time for that relationship. So I'm just going to sacrifice, get up 15 minutes earlier and pray in the morning before the day gets away from me. Whatever it is, pick that one thing and stick to it. Because that's, that's where it all begins, with these small daily acts. And chances are, nothing great or revolutionary is going to come from you doing whatever that act is. Nothing great is going to come from you driving the speed limit. But it might pave the road and put you in the habit for something a bit more heroic one day. It might prepare us to really respond to Jesus' invitation of loving our neighbor. And he's clear that our neighbor, what's, what's the limit of neighbor? There is no limit. Our neighbor is whoever is right in front of our face at that moment. That's Jesus' invitation. So Lord, we pray for the grace to be able to love and to show mercy in this way that you invite us to. Amen.